0: Coming
1: up. Nasal breathing is, in my view, is the key to correct sleep medicine um, treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, if you don't correct the nasal airway, you still have a compromised airway, even if Amen. you hold it forward.
0: <laughs> Amen. Amen. Uh-huh.
1: Uh-huh. Just look at the look at the, the nasal wow. movement of this airway yeah. here. Versus here. Oh, yeah. Centimeters of volumetric change of his nasal passage with mm. six millimeters of growth and three millimeters of minimum cross-sectional area improvement. Okay. So he started out at, I think it was around three millimeters and he went to six, which is normal. And he got three cubic centimeters of volumetric change. That's like shoving six dice in, well, three dice in each nostril because that's a huge improvement. hmm it's basically looking, you know, he says, you're, you're changing things from like a, a little five-year-old to a seven foot tall person. That's how much.
2: <laughs> wow.
1: <laughs> Most sleep medicine doctors and sleep medicine is missing mm-hmm. because everybody says, let's just use an, let's use an oral appliance and hold the bottom jaw forward. So the tongue doesn't mm-hmm. go back to mm-hmm. the back of the throat. Right. That's all fine and dandy to keep your tongue out of there. But if you have a compromised nasal airway and you can't get enough air through your nasal passage, you have negative pressure um, that's going through your nasal passage, trying to suck air into your lungs. Mm -hmm. And every time your diaphragm tries to pull air through there, if your nasal passage isn't opened up, it's going to suck your tongue to the back of your throat.
0: We have a special offer for our Munch Bunch listeners to book a virtual consult with Megan. She's offering a discount of $25 off. Just email her Megan at NW or through her website www.orofacial myology.com. To book a virtual consult with Kimmy for the $25 off, email her Mouth Muscle Memory at Outlook.com or through the website www.mouthmusclememory.com. Now on to the episode. Everybody, welcome to the Munch Bunch podcast. It's Kimi Nishimoto and Megan Benoy.
3: Hello, hello, mm-hmm.
0: and today we have our friend Dr. Brett Christensen from Idaho, my yes. home state, Idaho. <laughs> and Dr. Brett is an amazing, amazing orthodontist up there in Lewiston, Idaho. And we will let him introduce all about himself. But first, Megan is going to pull our weekly
3: Munchy Monday Affirmator. Yes, awesome. All right. I am going to pull uh, Dr. Brett. Tell me when to stop. All okay. right. Tell me when. Stop. All right. Ooh, this is a good one. Okay. So today's episode is centered around care, which is perfect because when you guys hear Dr. Brett's background, you're going to be like, this guy cares about his patients. So care. Is I care about feelings, both my own and everyone else's. So I choose to use care when speaking to people, especially to those whom I share DNA with. Care means I'll try not to accidentally make anyone feel bad, which means I won't accidentally feel worse. Then no one will have to try and figure out what accidentally happened when we accidental accidentally spoke like <laughs> accidental monsters. So, and it has little monsters on it, which is really <laughs> perfect perfect i love it so you guys um dr brett is an orthodontist of we won't say how many decades you can you can uh, age yourself three. if you'd like three decades to <laughs> i love <laughs> it um and so he's kind of been through the whole cycle of back in the day when we pulled premolars to now that pendulum has shifted to making more space so um he's just got such a, a unique um perspective and has, you know, lots and lots of cases to prove it and has learned so much through the years. So Dr. Brett, tell us a little more about yourself, who you are, what you do, where you're at, how many cows you have, all that good stuff. <laughs>
1: um, let's see. I grew up here in Idaho. Um, I did grow up on a farm. Um, and when I was a little kid, we had a hundred cows we calved out. And uh, as I got uh, older, Um, I told myself that I would not be the, uh, guy that has a bunch of cows. And, um, now, uh, I have 81 cows and, and actually have a guy that's uh, helping us calve them out. And, and, uh, he called me the other day and we've had about close to 20 calves that are born and we've had two cows that had twins and, um, one of the cows, she just not producing enough milk. And so we ended up bringing that calf here to our place. And I have some grandkids that live in, uh, an apartment in our barn. And, um, so they have taken over the care of this little calf and we had to go on it today. And Wes, who's like not even two, he's right in there and the calf is licking him and he's, he's laughing. So loving it.
3: I love that. My grandma had a farm. Uh, well, it, well, she still does, uh, and there were, she always had goats. And there was this one goat that we swore thought it was a dog, and uh, mm-hmm. used to just like <laughs> used to like be in the house all the time. And oh, we had so much fun growing up on the farm. So I love that.
0: <laughs> so talk to us about how your ortho education was. Like, what did mm-hmm. they teach you? Um. And then versus, like, when did things start to change for you as far as, like, the airway and things like that?
1: All right. Well, I uh, I was trained at a great school, uh, University of Louisville. And uh, golly, that was back in, uh, let's see, well, dental school was 89 to 93. Then I was in the military for four years. And then I went back to school in, in Louisville. And so I think that was 70 or 97 to 99. Um, some of you guys probably weren't even born then, but uh, you guys are pretty young. <laughs> um, <laughs> but <clears throat> I was trained as an extraction orthodontist. Um, you know, if you didn't have enough room, you pulled four bicuspids. If you had a class two, you pulled upper first bicuspids, lower second bicuspids, retracted upper teeth and protracted lower molars to correct a class two. Um, and then I was also trained in the surgical, uh, you know, doing a lot of surgeries, uh, after, uh, orthodontic school, I went in, I was still in the military. I did it eight years in the U S army, hmm. but I taught at a course in, at Fort Bragg. And, uh, um, in that two year stint there, I treated 400 patients, 200 of them were jaw surgery cases. Wow. We, we did a lot of jaw surgeries on patients um, to correct class twos and do expansion and, and just the whole, whole thing. When the military is paying for it and, and the soldier doesn't have to pay for it. Every, everybody's like, yeah, I'll do surgery. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you get in private practice, nobody wants to do surgery because they don't want the, you know, twenty thirty $30,000 price tag and the pain that goes with it. Um, but uh When I got out of the military and uh, came to Lewiston, I just started doing what I was trained and that was taking out teeth and um, came to Lewiston in 2001 and probably about, well, probably about five years into, you know, being an orthodontist on my own. I I kept watching my patients and, you know, initially you were taught you expand when you have a crossbite. Mm-hmm. And so that was basically the time you expanded. And the only the other times you just took out teeth if you didn't have room. But I noticed the patients that I expanded, um, that uh, when I got them expanded, I had enough room for the teeth. But the other thing that was amazing is when I would do expansion for a crossbite, I would have parents come back um the next appointment and say, wow whatever you're doing, I really like it because my kid's not snoring anymore. And my kid's mm. sleeping better through the night or my kid's doing better in school. And I basically blew them off for oh a few years and just was like, okay. Um, but the more I did it, I was like, Oh, I'd really like this expansion mainly for the tooth aspect. Cause I didn't like pulling teeth. Anytime you pull teeth, you get root resorption because you're moving the other teeth a long distance through the bone. And the kids that I did expansion on, I didn't get that root resorption, and so um, I started shifting from extracting to expanding. And when I did that, the the uh, parents, the stories just started pouring in. More and more moms were coming and saying, "Wow, my kids sleeping better." And I was like, "What in the world is this all about?" I'm not even sure um but uh, i really like the aspect of expanding versus extracting and so um by probably around 2010 it was probably when i just made a paradigm shift and i said i don't need to pull, pull teeth anymore and um uh and when i when i did that um you know things even you know, the stories and everything came from parents more and more and more. And uh, then um, in 2012, uh, I have a son that was in a four-wheeler accident Mm
2: -hmm. and
1: he um, died um, in that four-wheeler accident. Mm -hmm. That was in September. And uh, three months later, I had a massive heart attack Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Uh, and um, I couldn't go to work for Well, I shouldn't have gone to work for six months. I went back a month later, but I had to have other orthodontists in in there helping me. Um, But during that time off, I read a lot and I started researching um, on sleep medicine Hmm. and kind of stepped back a few years. Um, Soon after I opened my practice, my dad was sleeping on my couch in my house one day Okay. and uh, he was making a ton of noise, and mm-hmm. I walked in and watched him sleep, and he was sitting there gurgling and sputtering, and and he stopped breathing, and so I sat down and just looked at my watch and said, okay, how long is this going on? he stopped breathing sometimes for 40, 50 seconds at a time, wow. and uh, I woke him up, and I took him to my office, and I made my first oral appliance, and it was just a I mean, it's hundred percent acrylic with some ramps on it and some little buttons with some rubber bands. I've got it in a presentation I could show people. Um, But, uh, um, and I treated him and with that and amazingly it worked. He felt better because when he wore the appliance, because he was, his tongue was farther forward and at the back of his throat. Um, And then I had patients that would come in, adults that would come in and say, Hey, um, do you know how to treat this sleep apnea? You know, I said, well, I did this thing on my dad. I can try it on you. And I did that for a number of years and I, I would treat one patient and then they would go tell their friend mm-hmm. and their friend would come to me and yeah. I never advertised it. Um, but after my heart attack, um, I, had, I was getting two or three patients a month now with mm-hmm. this sleep stuff and I was completely winging it. um, I'll be honest. I didn't have a clue what I was doing, um, with these adults, but I was like, well, this worked on my dad. It worked on this other patient. So let me try it on you. Mm -hmm. And I was only charging like 400 bucks a a pop for cheaper than a
0: night guard. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
1: I, I I couldn't hold myself out as knowing anything. Mm -hmm. And, uh, anyway, I went to, I finally researched a bunch of different groups out there and I finally picked, um, sleep group solutions. And I went to one of their courses in Seattle. And I remember it was not very far after my heart attack because my wife was still on my arm, making sure I didn't fall over and stuff. And I went to this course. Good woman. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I go to this course and in this course, they've got this machine and uh, it's called a rhinometer and it's got two aspects There's a rhinometer and pharyngometer. One of them measures the minimum cross-sectional area of the nasal passage and the other one mm-hmm. uh, measures the oral area. So the oral pharynx and the nasal pharynx. And uh, while I'm sitting in this course, my brain's going to all these little kids and I'm, I raise my hand. I'm like, can this be used on kids? And uh, they were all about showing how the pharyngometer works so that you know how to position the jaw for the best oral appliance. Mm-hmm. And I said, but can you use this nasal thing on kids? Because I have parents all the time coming back and tell me their kids are breathing better. And I would like to know what I'm doing to these kids. And they said, well, we haven't used it on kids. Um, this is something to, to look at and say, oh, you need to go see your ENT and have nasal surgery so you can open, open up your nasal passage. And uh, so I uh, my wife and I went home, we talked about it at that time. It was like 30, 35,000 bucks for this machine and the training. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I just told her, I says, I think I need to have this machine just to see what's going on with my patients. And so we got the machine. And and at that point in time, in 2013 is when we took the course. So 10 years ago, Mm -hmm. um, uh, I started recording all of my patients. Um, every patient that walked through the door, we got a baseline rhinometer reading and a baseline pharyngometer reading. And uh, and then with the kids um, and even on the adults, I would measure them after I got done with expansion and then six months later. And I just kept gathering this data.
2: Mm-hmm. And so
1: we gathered this data for a long time, but I didn't know what to do with it. Um, mm. and, uh, here a couple of years ago, I'm, uh, I'm talking to somebody and I don't even remember who it was and, um, oh, it was sleep group solutions. Cause I told them I said, God, I said, this data is so important. We got to do something about it. And so they asked me to be on a, on a zoom thing. And I was telling everybody about, you know, what I've been collecting. I said, but I need to have somebody who knows what to do with this data.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, uh, um, I guess they shared that Zoom meeting out there all over the world. And all of a sudden I had top hitters like Kevin Boyd
2: and mm-hmm. Ben
1: Braglia and, and all these people that started reaching out to me and I'm like, who are these people? You know? And, um, so anyway, I, I end up, uh, one of my patients works, um, for the uh, Lewis Clark State College. And he's a statistician and he's a PhD mathematician guy. Mm-hmm. And he's one of my patients. And I have treated oh, cool. all, all of his kids. And so I'm telling mm-hmm. him about what we're doing. I said, there all this data, he says, this is what I do. So he took the database and he had to clean it up because there's a lot of patients we didn't get the data on time. You know, mm-hmm. we had, you know, well over a thousand patients that we could look at, but we didn't have what I call clean data you know, where these patients had these, you know, everything was done on a sequence. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And, uh, anyway, so he, um, he took the, the data and cleaned it up and we ended up coming up with like 347 patients that we could report on. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then he ran the data and then I can show, I can show the data, um, on the screen here of what, um, what we, uh, what the results of that were? What we do with all of our patients, and I'm a I'm I'm an orthodontist, and and I know there's lots of appliances out there, but I use a rapid palatal expander, and we put it in on kids, and then we turn one turn a day for 32 days, which is eight millimeters, so it's a standardized amount of expansion.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and uh and then we med- we take the rhinomen readings um 8 weeks after we do this so about 4 weeks after we are done expanding and then we take another one 6 months later um when the expander is coming out mm-hmm. and so we've got this data um and so is it okay if i share the screen here oh please so let's do this um so before i do the data i'm going to show you this is one of my little patients right here Aww. okay and her mother did these videos without me knowing, and then she said, I got videos to share with you. Smart and, mama. Um, this little gal, just listen. Hey, okay, that's her oral posture before we did anything. Yeah. Okay. Mouth wide open, snoring, struggling to sleep. And this right here is one week into treatment, mouth still open.
3: Less open, but still open.
1: <laughs> mouth mouth is open, but less noise.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. This is two weeks into treatment. Mouth closed. You can hear the air going through her nose, though. Now the mouth is closed hmm and this is at four weeks
2: Wow, well,
1: com- mouth completely closed barely hear the the nasal airway and so and i and i've got other patients moms have done this for me too that i can show but uh this is this is what this is what drives me Mm -hmm. um, with everything that I do is being able to see these little kids go from a total open mouth mouth breather at nighttime to a closed mouth nasal breather. Mm -hmm. Um, And so. um,
0: And that's fast too. Like that's just one month.
1: Yeah. In one month you completely change them. This is the story that this is what changed me. So this right here is my granddaughter Everly. And I was off at a tongue-tie course in Canada. Um, and my daughter calls us on the phone and says, Everly, stopped breathing last night.
2: Aww.
1: And, uh, <clears throat> you know, I was, um, my daughter says, what can we do? And I says, well, I says, we can, you know, I hadn't treated three-year-olds yet. Um, and this is her, Seth. <gasps>
2: Oh, here's
1: her, here's her tonsils completely touching the back of her throat. Mm. And, uh, and so when I, when I came back from Canada, we took these, we took these images and we said, okay, um, what do we do? And then this right here is our, um, her symptoms that she was having before we did expansion on her. And so she had night terrors. She didn't, we didn't realize that she couldn't smell mm-hmm. until after we did the expansion and she grew up with a dog in the home and, as, and within about two weeks of expanding her, she started complaining about how the dog smelled. And she
2: there,
1: <laughs> I mean, she'd grown up with this dog. The dog was there before it's she was like, born. who's
3: this sneaky dog? <laughs>
1: and so, but uh, she would wake up six or seven times at night. Mm-hmm. And uh, she would not wake up happy. She would fall asleep. I remember going to, to lunch one time with them and she fell asleep in her food. Um, oh, she was exhausted all day long. And she was also a bedwetter. Even mm-hmm. though she, during the day she was potty trained, at nighttime she would wet the bed. Mm-hmm. And then post expansion, she didn't have night terrors, smelled things, sleep through the night. Um, she was woke up awake and ready to go. And this happened within one month of treating her. Um, so this is little Everly. <laughs> and if you look at the gap in her front teeth, that gap is gold. Because when you do an expander, um, let me jump over to this one real here. This right here is uh, what we now call the Everly expander. It's in our code of, of the Everly expander that we treat little three to five-year-olds with. Um but, uh, that gap is gold, because when you do an expansion on a little kid, um even I've even done expansion and got this gap on twenty eight year old women. Um,
2: wow
1: and uh, but when you do and you get that expansion, what happens is is the um the maxilla, the suture splits, and everything spreads apart. And as the maxilla expands, the nasal passage expands also, and it opens up that nasal airway so they can breathe. Mm -hmm. And as soon as they can get their air through their nasal passage, then they can close their mouth. The reason her tonsils were huge is because her tonsils are always just dried out from her mouth breathing all the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, when you look at the ultimate cause of this, now these are not my fingers, these are mom's fingers. Um, Here we have a little posterior tongue tie. Mm -hmm. So... Um, that's the underlying cause of these underdeveloped jaws. That's a whole new lecture um, in and of itself. And so um, what what I do is I use, um, I do uh, rapid palatal expansion. I do slow mandibular uprighting. Um, Mm. It is mandibular expansion. And so this is what we call a fixed lingual expansion appliance um, and, and then a rapid palatal expander. I used to, what what I was trained to do is I was trained to turn it morning and night for two weeks. And uh, and then over the years, I said, you know what? I think I can get the same thing by turning it once a day versus once or twice a day.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: uh, I think you get the same results with less pain and discomfort with the child. Because mm-hmm. I still get the gap on all of these patients and I still get that maxillary growth. Um, and then the mandibular um expander. We turn that one once every three days for about three months. And what that does is it takes the buccal segments um, of the lower arch and uprights them and expands the molars and bicuspids and the primary teeth to match up with that new upper jaw that is now wide. Um, Patients that are um, usually over 12 and have all their permanent teeth, I do this instead. Um, just because it's mainly you're uprighting the buckle segments. We do the expansion. Here we got the expansion. Then we um, have braces on the bottom. We put these little buttons on the lingual of the lower um, first molars and first bicuspids. Then they wear these crossbite elastics, and that just takes the buckle segments and takes them and stands them up in the bone so that they're, um, they're going to match up with the upper jaw. Um, wow. And so... Um, when we look at um, what happens when you do expansion, what I do is I use this, uh, this rhinometer say, from EcoVision. And uh, this right here will show you. This is our patient um, compilation that we have is um, about five years of, of patients, 347 patients. And we got the minimum cross-sectional area. Um, which is the narrowest part that the patient has to breathe through in their nasal passage. And then also the volumetric change of what happens to how much air can go through your nasal passage.
2: Mm-hmm. In our
1: study, we had two, you know, youngest is two years old, up to 30 years old. But the wow. average age of the patient, when you um, compile, everybody's around 11 years old. We use the hierarchic expander, And like I said, we turn the key 32 days which is each each turn is a quarter of a millimeter. So it's a standardized eight millimeters of expansion. Um, when we look at this chart right here, this is a percentage of growth of the craniofacial complex um, for the age. And so when you look at babies, it's interesting is that they grow, um, males and females grow about 54% of their head growth in the first two years of life. Mm-hmm. Okay. He's got a
3: tiny head, too.
1: <laughs> and so when you look at that, it's like, OK, if you can correct a tongue tie at birth and mm-hmm. then that tongue sits and pushes into the palate from birth, that's where you're going to get your best results. Uh-huh. But I'm getting all these kids later. And so it's like, well, OK, we we didn't fix the tongue when when they were getting the majority of their growth. What do we do about it now? But if you look in here even farther, by the time they're seven or eight years old, which is when the American Association of Orthodontists say, this is when you start treating kids, they're at 80 to 85% of their growth is done. Hmm. Okay. And uh, the other part is, is if you have a kid that you wait until eight years old, you could have treated them at three years old. That's five years of um, oxygen desaturations that you're missing out on a kid. So what we did is we took this data right here and we said, okay, well, we know how how big the um, minimum cross-sectional area should be by the time you are an adult. And that is about six millimeters. Okay. So if we go back and we say, okay, by the time you're two years old, you should have 54% of that and which is 3.2 millimeters. Three millimeters is basically a coffee straw. So a baby that wow. is born to two years old can actually live by breathing through two coffee straws. They don't have a big body. Um, by the time they're four years old, they should have four and a half um, uh, millimeters of the minimum cross-sectional area. Then it really just slows down and goes very slow you know, throughout the years. What's interesting to me is I have adults that come in that are have two-year-old airways. Uh-huh. Uh, and they have very narrow upper jaws and, and they can't breathe and they have sleep apnea or they have upper airway resistance syndrome. And uh then you look under their tongue and they're tongue-tight and you're you're going, you never grew <laughs> from the <laughs> year two. And most of those patients, not most of them, a lot of them have had four bicuspid extraction because uh-huh. they didn't have upper jaws that were developed enough for having all those teeth. And so they did traditional orthodontics of taking out teeth. Um and uh, then if we look at uh, uh, the volumetric um, size of the airways, um, and we know that as an adult, you should have about seven cubic centimeters. So then we extrapolate that back and we say, okay, um, as a two-year-old, you should have 3.8. And that's from the tip of the nose back to basically the adenoids. Okay. So that's how much space, you know, is through those convoluted turbinates and everything that we look at and say, okay, and then as you grow older, those that space should get bigger. And so when we look at our study that we did, this right here is the data from that study. And um, out of the total number, which is the third group down here, that's all of the patients, on average with one expander, um, and this is left and right because we collect the data on that, um, we got about 1.2 millimeters of of uh, minimum cross sectional area improvement, um, and so that's about a 42 to 46 percent improvement. Mm. Uh, but I asked my statistician guy. I said, I said, there's a lot of patients that have a lot better results than that, but this is you know the average over 350 patients. And uh, I said, take the top 200 patients. So he worked the data. And he says, well, out of the top 200 patients they get about um, 1.7 millimeters of improvement, which is a 65 to 70% improvement of their minimum cross-sectional area. I said, okay, now take the top 100 patients of that 347 patients. That's a 2.3 millimeter to 2.4, which is 96 to 100% improvement of their Mm -hmm. cross-sectional area. So with this, which is interesting is when you look at a little kid that comes in and they have a 1.5 millimeter airway, which is half of a coffee straw, Mm
2: -hmm. I can look
1: at the parent and say, this kid's going to need more than one expander. Mm -hmm. Um, When I was treating patients before I looked at airways, I would do a one expander and say, one and done. All right, we've got enough room for the teeth. Now I look at all these patients and say, okay, let's do the expansion. Let's remeasure the airways. And a lot of these kids that start out at two millimeter airways, they're now up to four millimeter airways. But if you go back to the um, this right here, a four millimeter airway is still only a four year old. Mm. Okay. And so we're looking at doing a second expander on them to make sure that we get them up to a, an adult size airway. Um, and uh, I don't know what the standard deviations and this effect size means. But my statistician says this is basically um, uh, he says this is a huge effect size. He says, usually you're you're seeing something that's like 0. 0.1, 0. 0.2, something like that. And he says, You're getting 0.9. He says, that's a huge improvement.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That's basically looking, you know, he says, You're you're changing things from like a a little five year old to a seven foot tall person. That's how much
2: <laughs> wow.
1: So the the other part of this is the volumetric change. And this right here, um when you look at a cubic centimeter, cubic centimeters is the size of a dice. And okay. So, um, with all 347 patients, we got about one and a half um cubic centimeter improvement uh on those patients. So that's this. That's like taking one and a half dice and squishing it and making it go through the nasal airways. That's how much of an improvement you get.
2: Awesome.
1: But in the top one hundred, it's almost it's over three cubic centimeters. That's three dice in each nasal passage. That's six cubic centimeters change in how much better they can breathe with one expander. Wow. wow. So that right there is is super significant when you're looking at. Um, um being able to improve somebody's ability to breathe through their nose Um, so
0: dr christensen mm -hmm. um when we're talking about the airway here are we talking about the nasal airway or like the classic airway which is like we refer to as like behind the tongue
1: we're just looking at nasal airway on these these right here
0: okay thank you for Mm -hmm. the yeah verification
1: yeah, this is all nasal airway improvement. Wow! From the tip of your nose back to your adenoids is where you're looking at that space right there, and this is where I think that <clears throat> most sleep medicine doctors and sleep medicine is missing mm-hmm. because everybody says let's just use an let's use an oral appliance and hold the bottom jaw forward so the tongue doesn't mm-hmm. go back in mm-hmm. the back of the throat. Right. That's all fine and dandy to keep your tongue out of there. But if you have a compromised nasal airway and you can't get enough air through your nasal passage, you have negative pressure um, that's going through your nasal passage, trying to suck air into your lungs. Mm-hmm. And every time your diaphragm tries to pull air through there, if your nasal passage isn't opened up, it's going to suck your tongue to the back of your throat.
2: Hmm. Okay.
1: If you have a good open nasal airway and the air flows smooth, and that's what I I mean, I just had a patient um, that was in today. He's in his late forties and he's in a um, Schwartz appliance has been since September. So that's almost four months. And he goes, this thing is amazing. He says, I have forgot to put my Schwartz appliance in. It's a mad. So it holds his jaw forward too. He says, I'm sleeping so much better with the appliance, but sometimes when I forget, I still sleep, but I'm still getting better sleep because mm-hmm. I'm breathing with my mouth closed, not mm-hmm. my mouth open, and I'm not snoring. He says, yep. I'm sleeping really good with the appliance in, and I'll continue to do so. Um, but we measured him, and he should be measuring around 42 millimeters, and today he was at 36. We started out at about 32.
2: Wow.
1: Okay? And so he's he's got a long ways to go, but just think what happens when we get his upper jaw mm-hmm. grown. He's yeah. going to... He's going to be in that much better shape.
0: That's a really good point, too, because I feel like in dentistry, sometimes people get all excited about doing the sleep appliances and the snore guards, but they disregard the nose piece of it, which is the most important piece, which is why they should also work with myofunctional therapists because we can teach them how to breathe. And then some people have such small anatomical nasal structures. Like I know that I had a deviated septum, large turbinates, and I would always use a mute nasal dilator and that helped me to breathe and to be able to sleep through the night. But since I had my deviated septum surgery, it's like night and day. There's no no comparison to the mute at all. Like the mute definitely was not enough so I I can understand um the power of this research and the stats yeah. because it it doesn't when you look at the numbers it's like okay cool but when you actually think about it it's it's a huge improvement.
3: Oh yeah. Well and I actually when you were when you were talking about like how your granddaughter like didn't realize that she couldn't smell that was one of the first things um that Kimmy had messaged me about her boyfriend, uh, well, excuse me, fiance for Mm -hmm. another few weeks. Um, was that like Andy all of a sudden smelled things that he like didn't know he couldn't smell. And that was like one of the most amazing things. Uh, and I think you kind of forget that there's more than just breathing, right. Being able to smell, being able to like use your senses, um, you know, it just, opens, just opens us up to so much more when we're able to, to do that. So I think that's just so cool. We
0: want to introduce the Spot for Tots course, a parent's guide for toddlers ages two to five for Mini Mayo. We have Megan and Kimmy going over nasal hygiene, myofunctional exercises, breathing exercises, tongue tie healing protocols. And then we have Jenny June going over sleep hygiene. And Kelsey Baker going over feeding therapy and body work. Uh, the course is two ninety seven, and the link will be in the description.
1: Have you guys read the book uh, *Breathe* by James Nestor?
3: Yeah, well, he came on the pod earlier this year too. So, yeah. oh, he did. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, that's pretty cool. He was our keynote speaker in Georgia.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And. uh you know, that book is amazing when you mm-hmm. when you look at the study that he did, him and mm-hmm. his friend, within three days, both of them had sleep apnea where they didn't have it before just by plugging your nose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Nasal breathing is, in my view, is the key to correct sleep medicine um, treatment mm-hmm. um, because, you know, if you don't correct the nasal airway, you still have a compromised airway, even if Amen. you hold it forward.
0: Amen,
3: amen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah, oh, oh, I love it. You know, I keep talking about moving to where all the doctors are who are doing these amazing <laughs> things with your patients. I, uh, you know, because Isabel is going to be two uh, February seventh, so you guys feel free to send your gifts for my two-year-old. <laughs> mm-hmm. um But you know, she has, she was, you know, lip, tongue, cheek, tied. She has a high, narrow pacifier palette. Um, yeah, we're getting rid of that. Pacifier fairy is coming. Um, but, you know, you can see that. We're working with her on the munchie, and, you know, she sleeps. Luckily, she sleeps with her mouth closed, and obviously I just stare at her all night long. So I probably should work on my own sleep, but mm-hmm. um, them's the perks of being a mom. And I know, I know that, like, as <laughs> she turns three. We need to we need to do something we're doing some kind of mini Mayoe type stuff with her right now but um, I know we're gonna need more so I'm like it looks like a road trip to Lewiston from Portland might be uh, <laughs> might be in the books. I actually have
1: patients from Portland that come here.
3: Perfect we'll carpool. Yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: I have actually I have patients I have uh, patients from Texas, Montana. Um lots of them coming down from Spokane and Post Falls. I have patients yeah. come from Boise up here. And uh ultimately I would like to just train a lot of people so that those patients can stay where they're at and be trained and be treated there. So yes,
3: yes, that would be the dream. And I've got somebody in mind for you down here, but we can talk about that uh you know off screen. But yeah, I mean it's just it's so cool seeing what you guys are doing and seeing how really we're able to help people and um, you know, I know the impact, obviously I see it with my patients all the time. I see their lives and their health change right before my eyes, but it's just so cool to see that there's data because, you know, how many times are, do we get told that, you know, there's just not enough research on this stuff. And you're like, how hard are you looking?
1: <laughs> I'm going to bring up my adult thing. Cause I want to show yeah. you, guys, I want to show you guys a case, um, we were talking earlier about my dad and, and everything like that. And so this is my, my uh, parents mm. right here. My dad's mother died, I think in her late, um, sixties of dementia. Aww. When she died, they did a autopsy and her, um, heart was twice the size of a normal human heart.
2: Oh Why? my God.
1: And, um, uh, I remember as a little kid, she died when I was about seven years old. And I remember a few things about my grandmother. One of them is that she made the most awesome mint tea uh-huh. uh, She down the ditch banks and gather tea and dry it. And then oh. she would boil it and put honey in it. And, and the other thing is we lived in a or she lived in a log cabin, an old log cabin um that was only heated by wood uh, with my grandpa and um we slept on this trundle bed that had this big dip in it and all the kids slept on this thing and we all just fell to the inside Um, Mm -hmm. but I never slept when I was at her house because she slept in the other room and she always made so much noise that I never did sleep
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and uh my dad when we figured out that he had sleep apnea he finally came to me later he says my mother died of sleep apnea I know it because she stored like a A freight train. This is the appliance that I made for my dad. What do you think of that?
3: I love that it says crazy thing
1: worked. (laughs) Just, you know, it wasn't anything fancy. It's not a Schwartz. It's not a tap. It's not a um, prosomnus. It's a bunch of acrylic. (laughs) All I did was pull the jaw forward. Um, Let me see if I can. I want to get to a case that I want to show you guys. Um, I'm surprised
0: you didn't complain about it. I feel like family always complains about everything you make
3: them, right? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yes. Family are the worst patients. But Actually, you know, it's funny. Dr. Christian said so he'd write about kind of how your dad was your guinea pig. My dad was my guinea pig um, because he stored like a freight train and he he would like shake the house. And, uh, you know, I was trying to convince my parents that I wanted to switch careers. And so, you know. We did myofunctional therapy on my dad and had a, a lot of success. So, you know, they've, not that they haven't always been supportive, but they're like, all right, there might be something to this.
1: <laughs> yeah. My dad's 84 now. So he's out with wow. his
2: daughter. Wow, so,
1: which is pretty cool. Yeah. Our, so let me show you, I've got to show you a little bit of precursor before you see this case, but uh, this, this case is my flag star flagship case. But anyway, So this is the appliance that I make now. It's called a Schwartz with a MAD, and it's got little fins on the side here, and then it's got these little expander screws that come up here, and that's how we um, design that so that we can change the forward, and then we change acrylic with the vertical on that. We use a pharyngometer to to dial all all of this stuff in to set the patient up for the right vertical and horizontal position with the pharyngometer to get them to for their sleep apnea. And then with the expansion that we've got in here, these expansion screws, then we slowly over time uh, go in and grow the upper jaw and help with the nasal airway. There are some patients that don't have sleep apnea and don't need a MAD. And so we don't put all the other stuff on it. We just use the regular Schwartz appliance. And this is what I did on myself hmm. um, back in 2019. And I grew my maxilla at eight millimeters. Wow. And uh, I'm a triathlete. And I uh, went from mouth breathing during all my training to now I bike 50 miles with my mouth closed. I can run wow. on wow. ground with my mouth closed because I went and grew my maxilla and changed my nasal airway.
0: And how old were you when you did this?
1: Uh, I'm 55 now and yeah, almost 56 And 2019 was what? um, four years 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 Yeah. That's amazing. So It's never too late.
3: You're never too old,
1: but know that it took a year and a half to accomplish this. It's not, you know, everybody wants something that you can put in there and you're done in a week
2: or a month.
1: You know, they want something that's fast. Um, I saw probably 10 or 15 Schwartz Schwartz appliance patients today and, um, I had to turn their appliances back because they were trying to go too fast.
2: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Their
1: appliances weren't working and they were getting tipping of their teeth versus growth of their jaws. And I have to, you know, a lot of patients there, everybody's um, everybody wants to get in and just get things accomplished so quick. Mm -hmm. And it's like, this is a two, a year and a half, two years, sometimes a three year process um, Mm -hmm. to accomplish that. And uh and so you can't be in a hurry to, to do this. A lot of these patients, when they walk in through the door at about three to six months, are like, oh my gosh, I can't believe how much better I'm breathing through my nose. So this right here, I'm going to show you is an upper airway resistance patient. Okay. And let me make this bigger. Um, I didn't bring his pictures on here, but when we started him, he was 31.8 millimeters. Okay, mm-hmm. that's the width between his six-year molars, and uh, crooked and crowded teeth. This is him with his Schwartz appliance. I'm just going to go back and forth. We did wow. have to put some upper brackets on because his upper teeth were tilted back. Look at the amount of expansion we got with him
2: hmm. wow.
1: with the Schwartz appliance. Okay. Amazing. All right. So here's his arches.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And we only put braces, you know, up here on the top guys to get the because his upper teeth were tilted back. Um, here's his lower arch, and we've expanded and given him a lot more tongue space. Oh, and that
0: tongue tie though.
1: Oh yeah, we're <laughs> gonna get to that. You can see that right there. But oh, yeah. just look at how his um, uh, tongue is sitting on top of these teeth back mm-hmm. here. Now. His yeah. Totally got yeah. a lot of space in here hmm. OK. And. Oh. Those are the fun ones to release. Oh, uh, yeah. So and like I said, you just can't make this stuff up. These people all have close to your tongue ties. All oh, right. Yeah. So here's here's his rhinometer readings. This guy's in his 40s. OK, when you look at the lines over here and it's kind of blurred on here, but I just took pictures before I went to Georgia. But here's this before rhinometer. Here's his after. See how much higher all of the readings are. Yeah. Okay. And here's the thing. We only got six millimeters of expansion with the Schwartz. Mm-hmm. So if you go back to here and you measure, he's at 38 millimeters. He 31.8. We only got six millimeters of growth. Mm-hmm. Okay. But when you look at this, We got three cubic centimeters of volumetric change of his nasal passage with Mm. six millimeters of growth and three millimeters of minimum cross-sectional area improvement. Okay. So he started out at, I think it was around three millimeters and he went to six, which is normal. And he got three cubic centimeters of volumetric change. That's like shoving six dice in, well, three dice in each nostril. And this is what a round.
3: visual, <laughs> what a
1: visual, <laughs> but if you, you, if you, you know, if you don't have something to measure this, you're just, yeah. guessing. you're saying, Oh, so yeah. yeah. I, it. Um, I had um, before I went to Georgia, I, I just said on the whim, I says, measure the next two Schwartz spaces, and both of them had the same kind of results. That's awesome. Okay. So this right, here's my flagship case. This should change everybody's mind and what you can accomplish with Schwartz appliance and slow mandibular growth. This is a three-year case. Wow. Okay. So this is Kelsey. Look at how narrow her upper jaw is. Mm-hmm. Okay. And there's, here's, she was when we started 24 years old, weight, highest weight was 350 pounds. Age have 60. Yikes. Oh. Oxygen desaturations down to 70. Average heart rate 84, high 114. 114, that's what I bike at. Wow. I bike around 100 Wow. Okay. She was diabetic. And wait until you see her tongue. And so here's her, here's her wow. uh, Okay. So her whole upper jaw fit inside of her lower jaw. She had severe sleep apnea. And woof.
2: Oh mama.
1: Okay. I need to get an updated one. We need to do a second revision on her, but um, I didn't get an updated one before I came to the course. Here's her upward sleepiness scale, 23.
0: Mm, She's a severe. sleepy girl.
1: Yes. Yes. Okay. This is kind of wow. fun. Aww. This is a uh, Facebook post that she put on um, about um, a year and a half into treatment with her. And she says, "I have a lot of weight left to lose, but it is good to know I'm smaller than my wedding day." And also, look at that smile. Braces are paying off. She Yay. never braces yet. All we did was Schwartz. Wow. Wow. How small her upper jaw was, mm-hmm. and where she was at. Um, you know she she's lost a ton of weight. Here's her oral airway.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That's a huge no. improvement.
3: Question about the weight piece. Are we thinking that's due to some of the sleep improvements?
1: So she had tried to lose weight for years. She was a heavy Mm -hmm. child. She could not lose weight until we got her sleep apnea under control. Mm
0: -hmm. Okay. Let's be that hormonal. um, Mm -hmm.
2: The sleep cycle.
1: Yeah. Just look at the look at the the nasal improvement of this airway here versus here.
3: Oh yeah
0: this is so cool to see your perspective from like the nose piece. Cause we're always like honed in on behind the tongue. Yeah. But the nose the piece is eat. fascinating. Mm-hmm.
1: That's that's the key to sleep medicine. Here's her airway. Here's her oral airway. She goes from tiny to a lot bigger. Well, bam. Wow. Okay. Now here's the fun part. Okay. This is Kelsey's before pictures. This is oh, Kelsey. Wow. Today. Okay.
2: Wow.
1: Okay. So wow. Chelsea lost a lot of weight. I think it was close to 150 pounds.
3: Wow. wow. Good for her. Oh
0: my word. Look at those straight okay. teeth. No expansion. No,
1: not no, I mean no surgery. Mm-hmm. Just very, very slow expansion for over two years before we even went to braces.
2: Wow wow oh
3: what a beauty
1: okay didn't really expand her mandible very much at all we just aligned some teeth down there
2: Mm
1: -hmm. went from a 28 and so you know i when you look at this you go okay she went from a 28.6 millimeter width to a 34 millimeter width that's me (laughs) but then when we um, measured her during Schwartz expansion, she was at 39 millimeters. When we oh. saw this Schwartz expander, she came back because some of that was flaring. Okay. And then in the end, we end up getting, what's that, about six millimeters of growth.
0: Mm-hmm. Which is okay. still huge.
2: Yeah. We
1: still got six millimeters of growth, um, even though, you know, at the time we thought we'd gotten 10. But we had probably two millimeters of flaring. Right. And anybody a- that says, you know, you, oh, all you're doing is flaring the teeth. Well, you do flare the teeth. Mm-hmm. That's part of yeah. the process. But then when you take them off, those teeth come back and you, you don't have the teeth that are flared. Basal mm-hmm. airways opened up a ton. Um, and her oral airway, this is the pharyng- Oops. this is the pharyngometer. Oral airways, airway was clear down here to up here.
0: Nice.
1: Okay. And this is the most exciting part. Her AHI went from 60 to 6. Wow. Okay. Oxygen desaturations went from average of 70% to she she dropped down to 89% three times in five hours. Wow. So only three episodes did she ever go below 90 in a total of five hours. She went from 350 pounds to 225. She's still working on it. She was an obligate mouth breather to full time nasal breather. She's no longer diabetic.
0: Wow. Chills. Amazing.
1: So I want, to, I want you to see this. This is a, she sent this to me.
3: Hello, my name is Kelsey, and this therapy has changed my life. I used to be 125 pounds heavier. On the verge of a heart attack, my body was shutting down. I was only 23 years old. Um, Not only do I have a beautiful smile, but um, my jaw no longer clicks. I can breathe through my nose, which I never could before. I've lost 125 pounds and I'm off four different medications. I can work out and exercise and sleep better than I ever could in my life. I have gone from having sixty-four breathing episodes per hour with sleep apnea to only having six. I am astounded at the changes that have been made because of Dr. Christensen's help. Thank you.
0: Oh that's wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing with us. This is this is,
1: this is why yeah. I do what I do. I love yeah. what I do. And um I think the, one of the big things for kind of a take home message for anybody that is getting into sleep medicine, this is not a, um, you know, I guess a get rich quick scheme, you know, right. this isn't a get treatment done quick, um, type of thing. Yeah. Little kids, you know, it does happen pretty quick with them, but it's with adults, it's a very slow process, and, as you saw in multiple patients there, what's the underlying mm-hmm. cause? The tongue that doesn't function right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so my whole practice is full on sleep medicine from babies till I'm treating people in their eighties, and I I'm growing that. people when they're eighty years old, which is cool.
3: yeah, you're so oh, cool. cool that's <laughs> so cool. I love that well, oh.
0: Dr. Brett, I have one more thing I wanted to ask you. Sometimes um, in like the airway circles or like the forums that you read, there's some controversy over if rapid palatal expanders... Cause scar tissue of the maxilla. Can you debunk that for for us? Um, I'm just trying ortho. to figure out
1: who's the first person that said that because just because somebody says that doesn't mean it's the case. You know, True.
3: Uh, and so many things in life.
1: <laughs> there's so many times when somebody says something, and that's why I, um, I was never a data person. I hmm. was always a feel good. Does it feel good? Yeah, okay, I'll go with whatever it feels. Um, when I started doing this sleep medicine stuff, I said, I have to have something to back this up. Yeah. And um, just because somebody says you have a scar tissue up there, show me the data, show me the, the histological, you know, um, things. I mean, because I, I see my CT scans after expansion and after I've held, I mean, uh, after I've held that little kid in there for six months and after treatment, there's bone across the top of the palate. It's not cartilage, it's bone. Mm. Uh, and uh, you know, I look at my adult patients where we're changing their whole maxilla, it's remodeling of the maxilla. We're changing the bone. We're not um, you know, and and I guess here's here's the other question. If if somebody could come up with the um uh, um, if they could show me where it's scar tissue, so what?
2: Yeah. Good good point. Is,
1: if it's scar tissue and it helped them, you know, be able to breathe through their nose and they've got a better nasal airway, show me it and, and, and you know, and then maybe I'll believe it, but I don't, I have yet to see anybody that has um, shown me data or any type of concrete evidence that says there's scar tissue, although I mm-hmm. see on my CT scans that it's bone. Um, but even if it was, look at the data of what it, rapid pedal expansion does,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, down the road we're getting one and a half to three cubic centimeters of improvement of nasal airway function in the volumetric side and one point two to two point four minimum cross sectional area that's huge
2: mm-hmm.
1: whether it's bony or if there is a scar like I said show me show me the data i I would love to see it mm-hmm. um, but there's you know. Traditional expansion has been around for years and we correct these crossbites and they stay. And the only reason that um crossbites don't stay, and and I have patients from the past that um uh I did expansion on them and I took the expander out and I'd see them a few years later and they were back in crossbite. Guess what I never looked at before? Their tongue? Yeah, I never looked at a tongue before I went into sleep medicine. And if you have a tongue that's tied to the bottom of the jaw and you don't have it sitting up there, I mean, I tell patients every single day, the best retainer ever made is a good functioning tongue. It's not mm-hmm. that piece of plastic holly that we put in their palate. Mm-hmm. If you have a functioning tongue that sits there and keeps the um, the pressure into the palate, you're not going to get the relapse. Mm-hmm. So
3: good. But- I tell my patients that too. So...
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, I just thought of one more. And and then I promise I will let you go. I won't dig in anymore. But um, sometimes I feel like in in our space, like we, Megan and I are very much like meeting people where they're at. Mm -hmm. People have to pick providers that they can go to because, you know, sometimes like geologically, or geographically there you um, go. I can't come to Lewis Idaho to see you for braces as much as I would love to. So I would have to find someone in my area. Can you talk to us about like, as long as they're not doing bicuspid extraction or extraction ortho um, are, if you do traditional ortho for your kids, are you ruining them? Because that's mm-hmm. another kind of, um, unpopular opinion that is kind of circulating within the
1: forums and the groups now? Traditional orthodontics, um, without, ex- I mean, with extractions, um, this is something that somebody uh, brought up to me a while back and they, and, um, I have an orthodontist in our town that, uh, um, I, I lectured at one lecture and and then the American Association of Orthodontists found out I was lecturing. And so they sent people to lecture after me. And uh, I lectured all about nasal airway and improvement of the airway and everything like that. And I never talked about sleep apnea. Um, I just talked about improving airways. And uh, um, he got up and he says, well, extractions don't cause sleep apnea and headgear doesn't, cause sleep apnea and extractions don't cause nasal airway or, you know, all these different things and neither does headgear. And I, I thought about that a long time because the, the forums of everybody's, Oh my gosh, if you take out four bicuspids, you're going to cause sleep apnea. They had sleep apnea to begin with. Hmm. They had small nasal airways by taking out teeth you just didn't make it any better. You left it where it was.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: We, we want, we want to blame the orthodontist for everything. And I've, I have my own patients from back when I was extracting teeth coming in for sleep, um, consults and I'm treating them. And I look at them and I say, you know what? I didn't, I, I gave you a nice service in that your teeth were straight by the time we were done. I says, could you breathe through your nose before we, you know, back then? And they're like, no, I've never been able to breathe through my nose. And so the cause and effect, I don't think that um, extractions cause sleep apnea. I don't think headgear causes sleep apnea. I think that um, those constricted airways were always there. And, um, And so you know, trying to blame a profession that they're causing things. No, we're just not, they're just not diagnosing sleep medicine and they're not treating sleep medicine. They're, they're treating teeth.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, In in the end, I would hope that um, in the next 10 years before I retire, that I can get the word out and that we can change the thinking of orthodontics to incorporate sleep medicine and looking at those airways before we start treatment and treat the airways first and the teeth will come along with it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I don't know if I answered your question, Kimmy, on that. No, Uh,
0: that was great. That was great.
1: And so, you know, does traditional orthodontics cause these problems? And I would say, you know, if you take out four teeth as somebody that was super crowded You didn't make it, you, you made their smile prettier and you, um, if they were that crowded, you probably didn't change anything except for the straight teeth. Right. Okay. If you went in and expanded that person, gained room for the space and improved their nasal airway, improved their tongue space, you improved that patient's airway. Um, and so, um, that's what I'm looking at, and the, what I would like yeah. to, the orthodontics to look at and say, okay, yeah, if you pull teeth, you you probably made him smile prettier, but if you didn't pull teeth and did expansion, you're going to get a much better end result. Mm-hmm. You just can't be in a hurry. Orthodontists are. I mean, I'm seeing, I'm seeing eighty, ninety patients a day. Wow. Um, and, and you have
3: eighty cows.
1: Yeah, yeah, but I have a friend that takes care of those.
3: <laughs> Delegating. <laughs>
1: yes. And I have I have an incredible team of women and one guy we've got a a man lab tech that came in with Ooh. us this last year because we were so busy and um uh no you can't you can't do this stuff on your own it's not me I I'm nothing without my team I'm um in all aspects of life. So
3: I love that. I love that. Uh, so, Dr. Christensen, are you on social media um, or what's your website? Where can people find you?
1: Um, Christensenbraces.com and okay. I, I, Christensen Orthodontics on Facebook. I think I'm on Instagram. My wife takes care of all the social media stuff. Perfect. I'm, <laughs> busy taking care of patients. Um, Perfect. Again, up- delegating. <laughs> yeah. We updated our website back in 2020, I think. Awesome. Um, and uh, we need to update it again because there's a lot of data that we've got that we can improve. But a lot of patients, I mean, patients that come to me from Texas, they looked at our website and went to just learn about things. And all of a sudden they're like, okay. I mean, that's why, I mean, it's really humbling when you have a whole family of that comes from Texas to see you every mm-hmm. three months. Wow! And I tried to get him with the other orthodontists, but the other orthodontists just didn't—they wouldn't look at him the same way. Mm. So yeah.
0: no one else is like you, though. You're very special.
1: Mm, I'm not, <laughs> not special, um, but I sure would like to help change things in the in the future. Yes,
0: yeah. I love what you're doing, and I love that you're trying to change. Not just the dentist mind, but the orthodontist minds, because sometimes I feel like we're very intimidated by orthodontists.
1: Orthodontists are a very proud group. You know, we go to a lot of school and we get done, we're told that we're the top tooth movers in the world. And that's one of the things that's that's hard to break into because, um, well, I've... uh, one of the things that I think is is the uh, big detriment to the world of orthodontics is orthodontics being so proud that they don't include their general dentist in everything. Um, and I was one of those guys for years. Um, when the general dentist would do braces on somebody, I that would just really tick me off. And I was like, "You don't know what you're doing. You didn't go to school." You know, and and uh, my little brother started doing orthodontics, and. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he doesn't live in the same town, but he started doing orthodontics. And he and I had a falling out because I told him, you're not a specialist. You don't even have a Ceph machine. You shouldn't be doing this. And I told him one time, I says, if, if you have a case that goes to court, I says, I will fry you within two minutes. I said, you will, lose, your, you will lose the case because, you know, and I was a very proud person. Um, and I thought that I knew it all. And then I went into sleep medicine and found out I was clueless. <laughs> uh, I, knew to, I knew how to move teeth and now I'm training my little brother to do expansion and help his patients. And he's a patient, he's a sleep mm-hmm. apnea patient that's doing expansion and changing his nasal airway. I, and, love it. Uh, um, I think that, you know, with the Invisalign, Invisalign, you don't even need an orthodontist. You can straighten teeth now. So what is the use of an orthodontist? You don't need an orthodontist to straighten teeth. You know, you can order a set of trays through the mail. Oh. You need an orthodontist to diagnose sleep medicine,
2: mm-hmm. and, and
1: diagnose the underlying causes and treat the underlying causes. And the world of orthodontics is going to go away if we as orthodontists don't step up and become doctors and treat mm-hmm. the patient versus being tooth technicians and treat the teeth. So I
0: think that's such Powerful. a good point. Powerful. So cool. Dr. Brett. (laughs) We just love you. We think you're the just positive coolest.
3: Yes, I agree. Oh, okay. So you guys, if you want to find us on social media as well, we'll link Dr. Brett. Um, We'll chat with his wife and find out his handles, but uh, (laughs) you can find Kimmy at mouth muscle memory. You can find me at NWMFT and you can find us both at the munch bunch Mayo podcast on Instagram, and definitely on YouTube. And uh, we will be looking forward to the next Munchy Monday.
1: Bye. All right, Thank Bye. you. Have a good day.